It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone and welcome to the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by Advanced B2B, the marketing agency for SaaS companies and the subscription economy. It's your host here, Edward Ford, and today we're joined by Ben Cotton, who heads up sales enablement at HubSpot. And this episode is all about how marketers can better enable their sales team to sell. We hear about some of the things Ben has done at HubSpot, including the rollout of an on-demand service for sales reps called Deal Support that's influenced over 1.5 million in revenue, the launch of a sales bootcamp that helped sales reps who were struggling to hit quota, and how Ben has scaled up sales enablement with chatbots. In addition to this, we hear Ben's views on the similarities between sports and football with sales, as he talks about weak link and strong link thinking, We explore how sales and marketing teams can better work together. And finally, what the best marketers are doing to enable their sales team to succeed. As ever, stay tuned to the end of the episode where Ben takes on our Fast Five Challenge. So here is episode 20 of the Growth Hub podcast with Ben Cotton, Principal Marketing Manager of Sales Enablement at HubSpot. Welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast and welcome to the show, Ben Cotton, Senior Manager of Sales Enablement at HubSpot. So Ben, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Edward. It's really great to be here on the podcast today. Yeah, our pleasure. We're, we're thrilled to have you. And today we're talking about sales enablement. And this is actually a term you hear a lot of people talking about, but I know some people might not exactly know what it really means. So I think a good starting point what actually is sales enablement? What's it all about? Um, that's a great question. And we, we get asked it all the time. And I, I spend a lot of uh, my time helping our clients and partners to understand that as well. But at HubSpot, we think it's, it's basically helping sales reps to sell better, do it more quickly, uh, using things like content, tools, training, and guidance. Um, in, in terms of tactics and plays, the way I think about it at HubSpot is I really want to help equip, advise, and help sales reps to close. Um, so when I'm talking about equip, this is really the resources and tools that we make available to sales reps. Um, the advise part is educating reps on best practices and processes, or it could be things like the upcoming GDPR. Um, and the third part, closing, is this on-demand deal support that I provide to sales reps to help them close. Yeah, and... Your role at HubSpot is, of course, all about building strategies that enable your sales team to hit its goals. So let's dig into some of the projects and initiatives that you've been working on. And firstly, you've mentioned that one thing you provide is an on-demand service to your sales reps called Deal Support. And this has influenced over $1.5 million in ARR. So can you lift the lid on this and tell us what Deal Support is all about at HubSpot? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so deal support is a, it's an on-demand service that we provide to uh, sales reps. And um, to, before I tell you more about it, I'll just back up a little and tell you about the, the insight we got from our sales floor. So um, we, we spoke with sales reps and we asked them, you know, how, what's the best way we can help you? 
and they, they it came back loud and clear. They didn't want to um, wait for support post-deal once the deal has closed, lost. They actually need support, assistance, and guidance during a deal. Um, so we provide reps this on-demand service called Deal Support, and it's, it's made up of three things. Um, the first one is customer reference calls. So we put prospects in touch with many of our clients. We do, um, we do hundreds and hundreds of these calls a year. And it's basically putting a, a prospect in touch with a client from similar industry, similar location, um, or somebody that's overcome a similar marketing challenge. Um, so that's the first part of deal support. The, the second part is something we call deal strategy. This is, this is reps booking time with me, um, a consultation to build a plan to win the deal. Um, it could be taking a look at um, what's the competition saying? How can we preempt that or rebut what we think the competition will be saying? Um, it could be ensuring the reps are leveraging all the right internal resources. So things like, um, do we need to loop in a sales engineer or should legal get involved at this point? Um, or is a sales rep using the right type of content? Um, so that's deal support. And the third area is competitive intelligence. Um, so we're blessed really to have a, a fantastic wiki at HubSpot full of great information on our competitors. But um, oftentimes reps need a, a second opinion or, or something more. So they, they can go and book some time with me and we'll really um, put together a plan when we're competing against one of our main competitors. Um, this is really, again, building a plan to win. So um, those are the three aspects of deal support. So it's uh, customer reference calls, deal strategy, and competitive intelligence. And it's available um, to reps on demand. So we have a, a really quick turnaround on these because we know time is of the essence and it's really, really important that we can react and help reps during a deal and help them close it. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so it's reference calls, deal strategy, and competitor intelligence. So how often are you offering this? Is this sort of a 24-hour on-demand service? or? Um, so we, we try and turn around this, this service within the, the day. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's currently uh, during office hours. So this, this does require a human as opposed to a bot or anything like that. Um, and it's really the best way to think about it is this is it's really high touch. It's high value, but it's, it's relatively low frequency. Um, we provide reps in EMEA um, with dual support probably about two to 300 times a year. So it's, uh, as I say, it's um, high value, high touch, relatively low frequency. Um, but what we've found is once a deal is um, progressing and it's you know, nearing a decision, um, reps need this highly uh, customized bespoke consultancy to help them close. Um, we'll probably get to bots later in the conversation, but we, um, to enable me to focus on this deal support, um, we've built a bot that can feel the high frequency, low value types of questions, which really frees up my time to focus on this deal support consultancy. Yeah, and we'll definitely come on to bots a bit later. Um, one question I could ask then, what are some of the common support requests that you're asked to help with? Are, are there any challenges that sort of come up again and again? Yeah, there's really, um, when we're selling into Europe, there's often two types of requests that, that crop up most frequently. Uh, and the first one is, um, it's when a client is making 
the move from a, uh, a number of disparate point solutions. So they may be using you know, 10 to 20 point solutions to run their marketing. And they need to um, really understand the value of moving from those point solutions to an all-in-one. So often it's helping reps build the case around that. Um, and then the second aspect is competitive builds. So um, there's, there's two or three competitors that we, um, we face in most deals. Uh, and then there's often a couple of local market competitors as well. So it's really, um, that is the second piece, uh, understanding who our competitors are and how we're going to beat them. Yeah. And you mentioned the second part of deal support was deal strategy and you help put together a good approach for, for each sales case that you have. So what, in your opinion, makes a good deal strategy? Are there any frameworks or kind of guiding structures that help you put together a sound deal strategy? Um, that's, that's a good question. And it really depends on, you know, what's happening in that deal. So it's, it's hard to um, kind of give a, a, a one-size-fits-all approach. But it's really, um, it's really about me asking the right questions uh, and really digging into what's happening in the deal, what's the prospect telling us, what do we think the uh, competition will be saying, um, that kind of stuff. And once we have all this information, uh, once I've asked the reps the right questions, I think we then have the information to, to build the strategy to win. Yeah, and one thing I'd love to ask, how many people are on the sales enablement deal support team? Um, so I, I'm an individual contributor at HubSpot, which means I, I'm a team of one. So, um, so I lead sales enablement HubSpot out of Amir, and I work with um, it's around a hundred sales professionals. So it's uh, it's uh, challenging, it's rewarding, um, and it's also a lot of fun working with um, that number of sales reps. Okay, that's amazing. So, so it's just yourself doing all this. Um, that, that's correct. So um, scale and, and uh, I suppose how we provide dual support in a timely fashion is uh, constantly top of mind. So we're often, um, well, I'm often taking a look at our processes and seeing what we can automate, what we can eliminate, and what's going to help us speed things up for sales reps. Yeah, awesome. And let's then move on to one of the second initiatives that you launched. And this was a sales boot camp to help some of your sales reps who were struggling to hit quota. So tell us about your sales bootcamp and what was included in the eight week program. Yeah, um, so let me just tell you a bit more about my, my goals at HubSpot and then, then uh, we can show you how that links to the bootcamp. Um, so in my role um, running sales enablement here, the three goals I care about and are measured by. Um, so the first one is the, the quota attainment of the office. So I need to ensure the office hits a certain percentage of quota attainment each month. And I share that goal with our sales leaders here. Um, the second goal is a influenced revenue goal. So the deal support that I provide um, needs to close a certain amount of revenue each month we have an annual goal that we want to hit um, and the third goal is net promoter score so we, we send out an nps survey at the beginning of each month um, we want to hear how sales reps think sales enablement did helps uh, provide quantitative and qualitative feedback has a nice tight feedback loop um, so they're, they're my three goals um, so in relation to the boot camp so my key or North Star metric is quota attainment of the office. That's the most important one. 
Um, so really, my um, I, I keep a close eye on the performance of sales reps, of teams, and different cohorts of sales reps. Um, so I thought the quickest and most effective way to help increase overall quota attainment was actually by looking at a cohort of reps that were underperforming. Um, so like most modern sales organizations, we're extremely data-driven. Um, so it's very easy to see uh, which reps are doing well and which reps need some more support. Um, so we used this, this data and built this bootcamp type program for reps that were underperforming. Um, and essentially, it was an eight-week bootcamp. Um, it was very coaching-focused uh, and whiteboard-led. So we actually imposed a, a five-slide limit. And we had a, a subject matter expert come in each week to talk about a different uh, phase um, of our buyer's journey. And in, in addition to this bootcamp, we also had deal support provided to sales reps. So what we found is many of the reps, although dual support was available, um, they weren't using it as much as our top performing reps. So the program was uh, providing them with the, the training, but also the support to help them close more deals. Um, and then what we found is the results were really, really fantastic. Um, sales reps on average improved quota attainment by 31%. Uh, and five of the reps that have been through the program have actually gone on to earn promotion at HubSpot too. Wow, okay, that's fantastic. And the program itself was based on the weak link concept of sales enablement, which is actually something you stumbled upon when reading a book about football, and that's soccer for our dear American listeners. And it was called The Numbers Game, Why Everything You Know About Soccer Is Wrong. So can you open up on this concept of weak link and strong link thinking and tell us how you applied it to your boot camp? Yeah, it's, uh, you, you wouldn't naturally think football is uh, a great uh, <laughs> sales, but um, I, I'm a big fan of um, kind of the, the numbers side of sport. So um, Moneyball and things like that are really interesting to me. Uh, and this book was very much in the, the same vein as Moneyball. Um, but one of the ideas from the book was that um, football is a, a weak link sport. So what we mean by this is um, you want your 11 players, you want the, the average player, you want the average of those 11 players to be really, really high. Um, whereas other sports like basketball, for instance, which have a, a relatively small number of players on the pitch, you just want your star players to, uh, their ability to be really, really high. Um, and this, this kind of struck me um, as very, very interesting. And I thought a sales organization with its many teammates were, was much more like a, a football team than a basketball team. So I was interested to see if we, if we take a cohort, so those sales reps at the bottom, those players at the bottom, and if we were to help um, increase their performance towards the middle, um, that way we would increase overall quota attainment. So um, it, it really is a case of a, a rising tide lifts all boats. Um, so that was the, the thought process behind it. And as I say, I, I read the book, I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, and then I wanted to apply it to HubSpot. Um, I think the key thing to note here is um, it's, it's, it's an idea. It's, it's not right for every single business. Um, but the 
I suppose most important part is most programs at most companies, they want to focus on helping the top performers to get even better. Uh, and whilst at HubSpot, we certainly do run programs for our top performers. Um, I thought the quickest way to get to the quota attainment we needed was by starting at the bottom, helping those reps get to where they need to be. Um, there's all these existing resources, playbooks and training. So it was, it was a case of we could repurpose much of the stuff that was already there and help the reps um, improve their performance rapidly. Yeah, that's great. I love it. And I think this provides a great understanding of why a weak link approach might actually be a better approach when it comes to sales enablement. And I have to add, as a huge sports fan, I could talk about this all day. I just love the comparison between basketball and football and how that plays over into the sales field. But coming back to what we discussed earlier, and the bots have truly arrived in sales and marketing. So tell us, how have you used sales bots as a way to scale up sales enablement and actually free up some of your own time? Yeah, so um, I think as all marketers know, bots are super hot and uh, of the moment and in vogue. Um, so it, it was really um, became apparent to us that we could do something really valuable for reps using a bot. Um, so, as, as I mentioned, I'm a, a single person team at HubSpot, um, partnering with over 100 sales professionals. So, um, I get asked loads of questions each day from sales reps. Uh, and candidly, um, many of those questions are low value, high frequency questions that require a, a templated response almost. Um, so whilst those questions still need to be answered, they don't necessarily need to be answered by a human. Um, so that's where the idea of building a bot came in. And the, the real value of building this bot is sales reps can get their questions answered immediately, um, at any hour of the day, and then it frees up my time to focus on that more bespoke, um, high value, low frequency, deal support that I mentioned earlier. Um, so really, what we did is we, we built this bot um, using some software and um, it, it's, it lives on Slack and basically it helps direct sales reps to resources. It provides competitive intelligence, case studies, sales collateral, uh, links to information on the GDPR. So it's basically um, all these high frequency type questions that sales reps had can be answered within a couple of clicks within Slack. So uh, um, it's been a great time saver personally, and um, it's helping reps find the answer to their questions immediately. Yeah, what impact have the bots had on the performance of sales enablement? Um, so we keep a very close eye on the numbers. Um, we, um, the bot answers about 500 questions uh, per month, which we're really pleased with. Uh, and we, we've done some, some rough math, uh, some rum, rough calculations around that. And, um, you know, if each question um, takes you know, five minutes to answer, um, which in theory it would have if it was me answering them previously. So it, it, pretty soon you can see the time savings add up. Um, so that's from my side of the business. But for sales reps, it's helping them find the answers to their questions immediately. It's available on any device and any hour of the day. So it's really helping reps um, you know, 
find the information much more quickly so they can get back to the prospect and back to what they do best, which is selling. Yeah. And one thing I want to discuss now, and that's sales and marketing alignment, because this is you know, a big issue. We've discussed it before on this show. And I think it's quite interesting because your role at HubSpot really sits at the intersection of these two functions. So one thing I'd love to know from your perspective, how can sales and marketing teams better work together? That's, that's the, the million dollar question. I think. Um, in all honesty, I think sales and marketing alignment is a, um, it's, it's a state rather than an end goal. It's something that is continually in progress and continually being fine tuned. Um, but really it's, there's, there's three things that I think teams, sales and marketing teams can do to become more aligned. Uh, and the first one sounds really simple and it's having a common language. And so both sides of the business are using the same terminology. Um, and the second piece is really understanding uh, you know, each section of, of a deal and at what point leads are handed over from marketing to sales. Um, and the third piece is having some kind of SLA, a service level agreement between sales and marketing. Um, in most companies, it's a one-sided SLA. So marketing has to provide leads to sales. Um, but what you really need to do is both sides hold each other accountable. So marketing needs to commit to providing the leads, but sales, they have to commit to following up within a, a certain time into a certain depth as well. Um, so I think that that's kind of the, um, my overview on sales and marketing alignment. Yeah. So just to recap the common language, the clear process, and then the two way SLA. And one thing I would like to ask, because I know a lot of our listeners and our audience are from the marketing side of, of the table. So what is it in your opinion that the best marketers are doing to enable their sales teams to succeed? That's a, yeah, that's a, a fantastic question. Um, it, it's hard to generalize, but I think um, one thing that marketers can do to really understand their sales team and help them succeed is having close proximity to them. And um, what I mean, it, like both physically, but also like, understanding what the sales organization is up to. So um, very deliberately, each morning I go and sit with our sales reps. So I, I'm physically in close proximity to them. And I have a great understanding of what the sense is on the sales floor. Um, very approachable so sales reps can come up to me um, and actually what we've found is many of my uh, marketing colleagues are now uh, adopting that approach as well so that we're, we're physically having close proximity to sales um, but also that's kind of the one very practical side of it but I think really um, sales and marketing they need to speak <laughs> more frequently they need to really um, you know trust each other and understand what each which side is up to yeah, that's great. And I, I would definitely have to agree that it really comes back to communication and rather the challenges stem from the lack of communication. And I think when marketing and sales teams start to over communicate with one another, then a lot of the challenges that they have also start to disappear. So I would love to ask, do you consider yourself to be a marketer or a salesperson? Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm within the, the marketing org at HubSpot. Um, and that, that's kind of unusual for a sales enablement role. 
Um, but really, I, th I think it's actually a moot point. I think it's. I think what's much more important is, um, you know, am I aligned with sales? Do I communicate frequently? Uh, and I, am I helping them to close more revenue? Um, so whilst my um, you know, my manager, my structure is within the marketing org. Um, my key stakeholders and my clients, which is how I like to think of them, are all in the sales organization. So, um, yeah, it's, we have a kind of unusual setup at HubSpot in, in that respect. But um, I think it's less about organizational structure, more about uh, are we helping sales? Mm. Yeah, and I was actually thinking as well that perhaps if we just got rid of the terms marketing and sales, it might actually fix a lot of issues since... I guess the reality is that marketers are typically operating higher up the funnel and salespeople are just working lower down the funnel. And ultimately we're part of the same team. So you could even look at it that marketers are just salespeople at the top of the funnel or salespeople are marketers at the bottom of the funnel. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just semantics, but yeah, who knows? absolutely. And I think, um, you know, some SaaS companies are talking about a, a revenue team or a customer team that is both marketing sales and uh, customer success and support. So everyone that interacts with the client, I think that's a very interesting way to think about it. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, as I say, I think we're, we're seeing some of that, uh, some interesting SaaS companies. Yeah, I think that's a really good point as well, because especially in SaaS, it's not just marketing and sales, but like you said, it's customer success, it's support, it's product. The boundaries are a lot more blurred than say in some other businesses. So yeah, I think uh, another very good point. And, one final question before we move into the, uh, the fast five challenge. And that is what advice would you give to other SaaS companies who are thinking about getting started with sales enablement or what can companies do to start thinking about sales enablement? Um, there's probably three things that I would uh, advise companies to focus on. Uh, I think the first one is to really understand your state of sales enablement maturity. Um, so some companies, they may have nobody doing sales enablement currently, or someone's doing it informally and they perhaps don't call it sales enablement, or other companies may be much further down the line. So I think you need to really uh, understand where you are currently, um, and that will help you build the plan for where you want to be in the future. Um, the second step I'd advise is to really... Um, define your service offering. So what are the sales and even services you're going to offer to the business? Is it deal support? Is it training? Is it content? Is it technology? You need to really figure out what those services are going to be, communicate that to the business. Um, but of equal importance is communicating what you won't do. Uh, and I think that's, that's easily overlooked. Um, Sales enablement for the most part is, is poorly defined and subsequently misunderstood. So I think um, having that level of clarity of what you will be doing, but also what you won't be doing is really, really important. Uh, and then the third step is to focus on you know, a small number of goals. And I think one of those goals has to be influencing revenue. So that, that would be the three steps I'd advise is understand your level of maturity, define your service offering and then focus on revenue. Perfect. That was great. And uh, I think now we could then move to the closing questions and our fast five challenge. So all I will do is ask you five questions and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So are you ready? Let's do it. Great. So what is the one book that you would recommend others to read? I had to think long and hard about this one. Um, there's a 
couple of really good books like the um, Challenger Sale, Predictable Revenue, Sales Acceleration Formula. But if you were to say one, and I think it's a timeless classic, is Ogilvy on advertising. Nice. Great. Second question. So a SaaS company that you love and why? Uh, this is a really tough one. There's, there's a, a bunch of SaaS um, companies that we, uh, and products we use at HubSpot, such as um, Slack and Zoom, um, which I've got a huge amount of admiration respect for. But I think, um, I'll have to say Shopify. I think fantastic product. Um, the company is doing really, really well. Um, they're just really, really interesting. And as I say, there's lots we can all learn from how they're approaching things. Great. And the third question, your favorite place to read about marketing and sales online? So yeah, this, this, is, the, this is the hardest question, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so many uh, really good places. Um, I, I really like Price Intelligently, um, Brian Balfour's stuff, um, also my colleague Kieran Flanagan. But the, the, the one place I read uh, every single post immediately is Kelblog. So that's written by Dave Kellogg, who's the, uh, the CEO of Host Analytics. Um, and really, he provides an inside view um, of leading a SaaS company and all the interesting and tough decisions that he has to make. So that's really, really fantastic read. Great. And shout out to Kieran Flanagan and Patrick Campbell, former guests of the Growth Hub podcast there. So got to give a shout out. Um, fourth question, most important growth metric? Um, this, this question, I, I found probably the, uh, I had an, an answer immediately. Uh, this is churn. You need to get churn right. Um, there's no point um, generating a ton of demand or having great conversions if your churn is bad. You need to get this right. And I think that's the, the metric businesses need to focus on first. Yes. And the final question. So what would be your best piece of advice for SaaS marketing and sales leaders? Um, for me, it would be get really close to your users. Um, and what I mean here is we, it's, it's easy to track that people clicked on something, but actually figuring out why, um, you know, what's their motivation, what's the problem they want to solve, how does your product add value, that stuff is much more difficult to understand. Um, so, yeah, get close to your users. I think that's where uh, the real value and insight for SaaS marketers is. Perfect. Ben, thank you so much for joining us on the Growth Hub podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks a lot, Edward. It's been a great taking part. That was Ben Cotton sharing his views on how you can better enable your sales team to succeed. And you can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Cotton. And as ever, if you have any feedback, then you're always welcome to get in touch with me on Twitter at Nordic Edward, LinkedIn, or reach out to me at edward at advancedb2b.fi. So thank you for listening to the Growth Hub podcast by Advanced B2B. And this is your host, Edward Ford, signing off. And make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers